Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wilde. Entertainment reporter by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy. And healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely gonna be some laughing, and hopefully, you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life. To live your healthiest hot life. Okay, so the conversation you're about to hear is between myself and Charlie Dark. And before I tell you a little bit about who he is, I just need you to know the impact that he's had on me in the past couple of days. I interviewed him three days ago on a Friday and then found myself at the Lululemon 10K race on Saturday morning thinking about what he said. And then this morning, I ran another 5K race for Journey to Conquer Cancer and once again was thinking about what Charlie told me about his views on running. This man is incredible. He has been such a trailblazer in the running community for over 10 years. So before he was a runner, he was a DJ. I mean, I think he still DJs. He still dabbles in the DJ world, still loves music. And of course, the founder of Rundum Crew. This is a running group in London, which promotes well-being through running together and talking. It's literally life-changing for the people who take part in it. And I can see why after talking to him, He's one of those people that like when he talks, you can't help but listen and want to know more. He is a London legend who's on a mission to unite and inspire people. And his run crew in London is 500 strong when they get together. That's unbelievable. And even more than that is his mission to reach people that need to be reached, to talk about mental health in an open and unstigmatized manner. He has been a trailblazer when it comes to talking about running and mental health as he himself struggles with depression. Our conversation covers a lot of ground, a lot of ground. We talk about meditation, imposter syndrome, you know, the tools he has in his toolkit when he has hard days. And let me tell you, one of them is taking a break from your phone and surrounding yourself with positive people and letting people know that you're not okay. These are all tools that we can use. But my favorite part about Charlie is that it's one of the last things we talked about. And that's the way we view running. I was telling him I was nervous about the race. I felt a little bit underprepared. And I I felt like I was going to underperform. And he looked at me and he said, don't look at it as a race. Look at it as a celebration, a celebration of your body being able to move, of getting from point A to point B. That deserves to be celebrated. And the next day when I woke up and I did my race, I thought of that. This morning when I did the 5K, and today I still looked at it with that same viewpoint, that no matter what happened, I was going to look at it as a celebration. And I'm going to continue to do that. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear what Charlie has to say. He is a true true icon in the running world and his mission is pure his dreams are big and he just wants to reach as many people as possible and inspire them in their running journey and he's also a yoga teacher so he's got that zen factor you know what i mean all right enjoy this week's episode of the healthy is hot podcast with charlie dark 
Well, Charlie, I have to say, this is the first time I record the podcast in a meditation space, <laughs> and the vibe in here is very chill. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, so we're in the, there's two meditation rooms at this spot. It's the home studio in downtown Toronto, and there's a light meditation room and a dark meditation room, yep. and I love me the dark meditation room because it's so soothing and calming, yep. but it's a beautiful day. It's Friday afternoon. It I feel is. like being in the light room is kind of nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's actually really nice to be in a space that's quiet. Right? Because the city's quite noisy at the moment. Uh, yeah, Charlie, you came to Toronto during a very exciting time. I mean, the Raptors just made history. I know, it's amazing. Making, making all of Canada proud. I mean, you just got in from London. Yep. What's your experience been like of Toronto so far? It's been amazing. I mean, I, I love coming to Toronto. I've been coming back and forth for many years now and um i've been i was been watching the series on my laptop at home so it was nice to be in the city when it actually finally went down <laughs> and you're probably hit pretty hard with jet lags so the fact that people were honking throughout the night you're just like great guys great guys i had yeah. to fall asleep actually last night to the sound of rain because i had uh, a super early call time and i couldn't fall asleep because there was so much cheering and screaming and honking outside a lot of and i didn't want to be a hater but i was like i gotta go to sleep because tomorrow's <laughs> a big day um but you are here in toronto not because of the raptors but because of an amazing run an amazing company um a race that i actually ran last year and was much more prepared than I am now. <laughs> but you're here for the Lululemon 10K as a very special spokesperson for them now. Talk to us about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, um, I'm the global run ambassador for Lululemon. No big deal. It kind of, um, you know, I still wake up and have to pinch myself. It's I mean, quite amazing. What, I mean, so what does that mean? That involves a lot of talking. Yeah. And strategic thinking. And generally just kind of trying to make people fall in love with running you know and um you know look at running in different ways but it's, i love it you know because i to me I, it only seems like yesterday that i was going out into the park to run my first you know run around the park so it's amazing and, and you know a great honor to be working with a company such as lululemon and being the global run ambassador it's kind of my PE teacher would never imagine that was going to happen. <laughs> what were you? What were you like during PE? I was good. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I ran. I ran a lot when I was at school. Played football. Played basketball. But I went to school with lots of people who were kind of, you know, at the upper echelons of sport. Okay. You know, people who went on to kind of, you know, do really well in the sporting field. So I was kind of felt quite inadequate in comparison to them. You know? Which is wild because look at where you are now. Yeah, it's great. It's I really mean, do cool. you think being in that environment with such talented athletes growing up pushed you to be the athlete you are now? That type of dedication and respect to the sport? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, what, what, what it actually did, being in that environment, kind of taught me to look at sport in a different way. Because as well as all the people who basically, you know were really amazing at football or, you know, soccer, as you guys call it, or, you know, who were great runners or cricket players who went on to play professionally. There was a, a very large amount of people who never made it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's something really interesting about being young and being surrounded by people who you think and they think and everyone thinks are going to succeed. And then something happens and it doesn't happen. It's a lot of pressure. It's a tremendous a amount of pressure. A lot of pressure at any age, but especially when 
you're a child or a teenager even, or even a young adult, you know, to feel like all your eggs are in one basket and everyone is pushing you in that one direction. And then all of a sudden something happens or you lose interest or, you know, something out of your control occurs that forces you to have to pivot. You kind of have to look at yourself in the mirror and go, well, now what? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's the unfortunate thing about, you know, the sports world is that it doesn't necessarily prepare you for the moments of failure. So are you glad in a way that where you were at as a teenager wasn't the top echelon athlete? Because yeah. It, yeah. had you been, maybe you wouldn't be on the path you are now because even though you were clearly very athletic when you were younger, you ended up going into a music career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I'm, I, I'm very happy at the career path that I've had. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all kind of landed at just the right time when I needed it to land. And I think running came into my life at exactly the right moment that it needed to come. And the lessons that I've learned and the people that I've met and the places I've been to, you know, have kind of, you know, again, have arrived at a point in my life when I could appreciate, Mm -hmm. you know, because I feel, and I was just saying this today, like, you know, people take it for granted that they can move freely, you know, without, you know, rules and so um you know uh, it's funny when you run a running crew as i do you know and have been involved in the running industry for as long as i have you meet people who are doing incredible things that they think are quite normal you know and they, <laughs> they're actually kind of embarrassed about the fact that they you know ran 100 miles at the weekend but don't tell anyone that i did that oh my gosh you're like you ran 100 miles like i remember when you couldn't run for 10 minutes wow and they're like oh yeah but don't tell anyone you know and they take it for granted or it's like you know when you particularly around marathon season, people are kind of so focused on the the time and the goal. And when they don't get that goal and the time that they've been training for, there's almost this disappointment that sweeps over them. And and I always say to them, like, you know, regardless whether you ran that marathon in three hours or 3.05 or missed your PR by 10 minutes, you still ran 26 (laughs) miles. The distance remains the same. You wouldn't even drive that far. But you ran it unaided with your, under your own steam. So be proud of that. It's interesting eh? how we can, we, it's almost like we want to set our, ourselves up for success. But in some ways, we're actually setting ourselves up for disappointment by putting these, you know, these, these gold ticket items that we want to achieve. And it's interesting because it's good to have goals, right? It's good to be working towards something. But there's something to be said for you know, working towards them, but also still appreciating all the work you've done if you fall a little bit short. Exactly. And I don't even see it as falling, you know, a bit short. Yeah. I just see it as today was not your day and tomorrow is another chance to do it again and be better. You know, and that's why I always say to people is kind of, you know, when you first start running or whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're DJing or running or making art, you have to be really, really honest with yourself about why you really want to do it. And that's not a sound bite or something that sounds nice mm-hmm. or impressive to other people, but it's something that really resonates with you so that it will pick you up when you fall down and motivate you when you need, like, you know, a little bit of motivation. And it's really important. Yeah, I think knowing your why, your why, not someone else's why, not society's why, it has to be your why. Okay. And that why can change. I know, like, if I look at, my relationship with running when I was younger I was doing it because I needed an escape and just do something for myself where I could feel like 
I was kind of running away from something, but I always ended up coming back. But for that run, that five kilometer, that 10 kilometer, I was running away and then I found my way back. Yeah. And I'm glad that my why has changed. I no longer run to run away. Um, but I knew and I was honest with myself that that's why I did it. And I'm kind of glad that I was able to. Oh, my God, there's a puppy. And the puppy's wearing Raptors gear. The podcast actually has two special guests today. Yeah, Max Such is a here. Hey, Max, we appreciate you. How has um, your why changed with regards to running? If I'm very honest with you, my original reasons for running initially were, were about, you know, finding fitness, being fit. I wanted mm -hmm. to be fit. You know, like many people, I was kind of, you know, I was looking to, ser I was searching for myself mm -hmm. and running was a way of finding that. But off, I, I, you know, I also wanted the the six pack, you know. I mean, real talk. Yeah. I want a six pack too. We all want a little six pack. Well, I think society has kind of, you know, geared us down that way that you know that you should have a body that looks functional and impressive and maybe slightly intimidating. I call it the show body. <laughs> you know, the body that would look good on stage. Yeah. Whereas actually, I think what the body people need is a body that functions for the life that they actually would like to lead, you know. And I, you know, I would now much, you know, my thing is flexibility and mobility over, over you know, aesthetics each and every single time. Yeah, because you've recently like dabbled heavily into yoga. Yeah, I became like Running is, of course, has been a huge part of your life and probably will be for a long time. But it seems like you've kind of opened... Yeah, I, 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 I trained. Yeah, I, I retrained to become a yoga teacher, and I, you know, I, I discovered yoga through getting injured, from overrunning, mm -hmm. and not really understanding my body. And like many people, going to physio and just being, you know, you're touching my shoulder, but my ankle's a bit that's hurting. Just go and rub that, and so realized I didn't really have an awareness of my body or how it really functioned. I just knew that it could move fast and far, so I wanted to kind of develop a deeper relationship with my body and also share that with people who I think need it. And, y you know, yoga's had a bigger impact on my life than running has. Really? Without question, definitely. 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 You know, because I feel running, that yoga was the missing part of the jigsaw puzzle that wasn't there before. So back to my reasons why, my, my when I literally started running, this quest for fitness, but also this quest for revenge. This idea of proving people wrong you know, proving to them that I could do it when they thought that I couldn't do it. And I don't necessarily know whether that's sustainable over a long period yeah. of time. Because eventually, after a while, you, you run out of people to find revenge against. <laughs> who, who are you trying to prove wrong at this point? I think just anyone who'd ever doubted my abilities. Because I think there's a self-confidence that comes from running and completing kind of marathons and, and races. Particularly at the time when I was kind of really heavily doing a lot of racing because it wasn't, you know, this was still in the fledgling days of the running, urban running renaissance. So, you know, we were planting the seeds for a lot of the things that you see now. But, I, you know, after a while it just became a thing of, I always say to people, like, it's really important that you're kind to yourself when you run. And I think what often happens is running, as you said, running away from things or running to walk, you know, a lot of times people are running away from something. Mm -hmm you know, or running towards this idea of a person. 
as opposed to just kind of running because it makes them feel really good and they enjoy it and it's the headspace and so on and so forth. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so my, my relationship with running has changed dramatically because there were periods of time in my life when, you know, if I went out of my house and I didn't run 15 miles, I'd come home upset. Really? Like, yeah, I didn't feel like I'd been running, you know, and if I wasn't hitting certain times on my watch, it didn't matter how, what distance I did, I'd just come home and be angry and upset with myself because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't achieving the, the times that I felt that, you know, my ego felt that it should be doing. So did you at some point fall out of love with running? Most definitely. Yeah, most definitely fell out of love with running. I got injured, you know, yeah. and that was one thing. And then also when you run a crew, a running crew, that's very different from going out and I'm just running by yourself. So the day when you're running along and you turn behind you and there's 250 people following you, running suddenly then becomes a business. Yeah. You know, and it's like anything that you take up because you enjoy it. When you suddenly realize that you're good at it or there's a future in it, invariably what happens is you kind of start turning it into a, you know, a form of income or, yeah. a, you know, you start falling in love with the things that it brings to you. And I think you can lose sight of the original reasons why you started running. And now at this point, do you feel that you're you're reconnected to those original reasons? Yeah, most definitely. I'm a kind of I'm in a good running place because I'm learning to run by myself again. You know, and I'm I'm also you know accepting the fact of what type of runner I am or what I need to be. It's interesting because you started running by yourself yes. in the middle of the night, South London. Yep. Very different time of your life. Yes. You created this massive, you know, London movement and now international movement. Yep. And now you're trying to learn how to love to run by yourself again. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's more about just making sure that I carve time out to run by myself. Yeah. You know, and because what I realized, I was having all these conversations with people and I'd be like, why are you running? They're like, yeah, I'm running to find myself. And, you know, it's the only time that I can switch off and no one can get hold of me. And it's kind of like me time. And I suddenly realized that I actually, I wasn't, you know, my running had become about leading large groups of people, you know, and taking people on these adventures and, you know, then started working with brands as well. And that brings a different kind of pressure when you start doing that. And so, yeah, I think it was kind of just about, and then slightly getting slightly disillusioned with what running had become. Because I feel like when I kind of came into the running market around 2006, 2007, it was a lot purer then but I think what's happened now is there's kind of there's a very big industry that's kind of grown up around it and so you know and when you've been as influential in the growth or and resurgence of running as myself and, and random crew and other crews like us have been there's a certain way that you imagine it would be mm -hmm. and that's partly one of the reasons which landed me at Lululemon is about trying to kind of find you know a brand who could help me get the conversation into a place where I where I felt they needed to go to. And what conversation is that at this point you think? I, I think that we are very, you know, the world is very good at activating people to go and do something, but it's not very good at nurturing them and, you know, and guiding them through the process afterwards. So a lot of times what you will find are these big running activations and they're gonna bring a celebrity and then it's gather around this celebrity and go on this big run and then the celebrity goes home and then you've got 2,000 people who've kind of, who are like, I want to keep running, but now I don't know where to go. <laughs> you know, and I think also 
there's a pressure that's come into fitness now through the lens of social media where it's kind of a lot of people and I see this in yoga a lot where it's kind of they turn up thinking well I can't do yoga because I'm not hyper flexible and I you know and I can't it's not even about touching your toes now it's about you know touching your toes and then oh. coming back and touching your knees you know it's the kind of poses I see on social media hard, you know I don't know how those bodies been like that well you know I, I think you've got people who've you got. I find that there's a lot of people who kind of come have come into the fitness market not because they're really about inspiring other people, yeah. but they realise it's a way of achieving fame, you know, making money, and you know, one of those things. You know, for me, it's very much about trying to. You know, I got into running because I was trying to inspire my community to move and be better, and to help particularly the young people within my community, and so that you know, so that's really important for me to always stay true to that yeah and to keep trying to inspire those who are difficult to reach where where do you think that comes from because that's i mean it's one thing to say out loud but it's another to do it and it's something you've actually been doing and been achieving since you started random crew and i i I like helping people yeah and i like i like helping people achieve their true potential and i like connecting people together and I especially like nurturing young people and so that they don't say make the same mistakes that people, myself and other people from my generation have made. You know, and I and I and I like the way that running opens and unlocks doors and creates connections with people who you know who may be very different from you. So coming from the DJ kind of music nightclub kind of world, at a time when I you know, first entered it into it in the late, you know, late 80s. It wasn't the thing where there was a club on every corner and it wasn't a thing that everyone went to clubs and it wasn't a thing that everyone was into music. I was the only DJ on my road <laughs> and people felt I was weird. Like, like what is what is he doing? Yeah, what's he doing? But I, you know, I came up in a time when it was about, you know, music is this common quality that we all share and we're going to find a space and we're going to use that to bring people together and unite people. But a lot of those spaces have now closed, particularly in London. It's kind of very difficult to find a space. And if you do, what you often find is only one type of person that comes. It's not a true reflection of the people that live in the city. And so having a crew, you know, allows me to kind of be like, right, okay, so we need, um, you know, we need some doctors in here. (laughs) And then let's get some nurses in. And, you know, okay, we need some firemen. And, you know, Oh, we need like a fireworks guy. We need a special <laughs> effects guy. You know, as weird as it is, but it's kind yeah. of. I want to. I want to create spaces where interesting people come together, so that they can have these interesting conversations. Because, you know, I don't want to hang out in a room full of runners. It's, they're boring. <laughs> you know, I want to hang out with astronauts and artists and, you know, people who are kind of complete. They've led different lives for me because I think that's how you learn and grow as a person. I mean, when you started your crew, I mean, what was it like to assimilate a group of individuals from varying backgrounds to come together to run, you uh, know, in a, in a place where a lot of people might've felt fearful to yeah. run at night, you know, you're like, yeah. you're, you're stacking the odds against yourself and somehow you yeah. managed to do it. Like, how did you get people in? I just started really small. I think the problem that you have now is that when people think of ideas, initiatives and projects, they immediately want to go big yeah. as soon as possible. Whereas with Random Crew, my idea was like incubation. I wanted it to be like the warehouse party that you 
go to school on a Monday and everyone's like, oh man, did you hear about the party? You know, everyone was there and you're like, what party? I didn't even know about it. Or like when you go to, a, you know, you go to an event and there's like, there's the main room and then there's the second room and then you come back and someone's like, oh man, but did you know about the third room that was like <laughs> in the attic that only 50 people could get into? So yeah, so, um, you know, it was, it was actually really easy because all I did, what I started running, my body started to change. I lost a tremendous amount of weight. M- you know, my general spirits lifted because, you know, I was, go- I was like, you know, going through some mental health issues and, you know, dealing with depression at a time when it wasn't a buzzword to be like, you know, to even mention that you had like, you know, a mental health issue or you were feeling slightly depressed or you, that you needed help. Because we're talking like 2007, Yeah, about right? 2007, yeah. Yeah, so that wasn't, it wasn't common back then. It, just, it wasn't the thing that you did because that, you know, admitting that you had a problem with your mental health was a sign of weakness. And at that period of time, it was all about being strong, being strong as possible and, and showing the world that I am strong. And so my friends started noticing a change in me and they were like, what are you doing? I was like, well, you know, I can't really tell you. <laughs> eventually, you know, but I always remember this. One of my friends was around my house and we were playing PlayStation. And I was like, oh, you've got to go now. And he's like, what do you mean I've got to go? And I was like, well, I've got a race in the morning. And he's like, what do you mean you've got a race? I was like, yeah, 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 I've got a race. I'm going to, I've got a running race. I'm going to run a 10K. <laughs> he was like, no way. Like, you're the most unlikely person. We haven't seen you move in 20 years. What do you mean you're running? And um, I just literally went for my phone and picked five people who I thought, you know, could help me kind of, you know, we needed a photographer to document because we just knew otherwise no one would believe that we were doing it. We needed a guy who actually ran, who had run a marathon before. So at least we had one expert in the group. We had a dancer in there because we didn't know how our bodies moved and we didn't know how to stretch or any of that type of stuff. You got to have a couple of people in there who just, who are like, you know, game for anything. Like, you know, and that's how we started. And we just incubated it for a period of time. And every Friday night, we'd go and run a mile. And then we'd go and DJ. Wow. You know, and that's how it all began. And then eventually what happened is, you know, a magazine found out that there was this crew. And, um, and then we also found that there were other people around the world doing similar things. And then Instagram was the real kind of like because we'd formerly we'd been on Twitter. Twitter was really interesting around about, you know, 2000 and I'd say probably around 2010, 2011. Yeah, about 2010, 2010. Basically what happened is it suddenly realized that I could talk about a record that I bought in a record shop, talk about the food I'd eaten in that day and the fact that I'd been on a run all in the same conversation. Whereas before, you know, they were very disconnected things. Yeah. And so I think what people kind of suddenly realised is like, hold on a minute, there are these people who they're running, they're moving, but they're having leading normal lives. It's not like, you know, they're like living in oxygen tents, (laughs) which was the general idea of anyone who was fit that back then was like, oh, you know, they've stopped their life to become fit. Dun, dun, dun. It was like, you know, you know, we're just carrying on as, as usual, but we just happened to be, you know, running and moving and stuff. And so it was really easy. Yeah. It was just like creating a party, you know. And if you want to kind of get people into your thing, don't tell everyone. It's very simple. Which is, it feels so backward because we live in a, in a time now where 
people are just blasting left, right, and center whenever they've got anything. They're yeah. shameless plugging. Yeah. And you're 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 reminding us all that a little allure of mystery is not a bad thing. It's always good to have mystery, and it's not. You don't have to have masses and masses of people. You just have to have the right people. The right people. And you have to make people. You have to empower people so that they feel they're ambassadors of what you're doing so that they go out. They are your street team. They go out and talk about what you're doing. They spread the word. Word of mouth is really powerful. So know. from that small crew, crew doing their thing now. It's a global movement. I mean, it's a global <laughs> movement. It's, like it's a global movement, yeah. Charlie. Yeah, it's great. And I, you know, I always think that when you do something, I've always come from cultures where our, our job was to inform where the culture was going. So whether it was being, you know, whether it was DJs or musicians or, or producers, always trying to inform where culture is going. Yeah. So my thing when I discovered running culture was like, this is a really amazing thing, but the culture around it has so many barriers to entry that the people who could really benefit from this will never be able to do it. Because when I came into running, it was very, very male, very much about speed, very much about distance, you know, and... It was just about running. So I can remember kind of, you know, going to a running shop to buy some stuff and just being like, why is everything fluorescent green? I've come from streetwear culture. And now I've got to basically, no, I don't want to wear that. And so my immediate thing was like, well, we're going to have to go and print our own T-shirts because we can't wear this stuff that they've got. No. You know, and I'm not wearing the leggings. (laughs) I'm definitely not wearing leggings. So, okay, well, I'm going to wear shorts over the leggings. Did you start that trend? I didn't start it personally, but I definitely, there was like a whole group of us who came out who were like shorts over leggings. I love that look. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that look. Yeah. I, I've seen girls wear it with short shorts. I've seen yeah. men wear it. Yeah. Well, whoever did that, thank you. Shorts over leggings. And then wearing a lot of stuff that had nothing to do with running. Yeah. Where you turn up. Because I didn't want to be walking around looking like I was a runner. But what I did want was to have one outfit that I could wear for the whole day that I could DJ in and run in and socialize in. And, you know, because we were working, you know, a lot of the early crews were working with the big major sports brands. Yeah. You know, that's how that's how you could see the cultural shift happening because we're in insight groups and we're kind of doing all this research and our brains are getting picked and trawled for ideas. And so when I look at it now, I can hand my heart be like, yeah, we helped create that. We helped shape that. The reason why the shoes are that way is because of that. The reason why they're using the fabrics they're using is because of that. Because we had those conversations years ago. Wow. You know, so. I mean, you're a change maker. Yeah. And I like, I mean, the, the fashion stuff is, is cool. I, I love, I like feeling good in what I work out in. Yeah. I, it's really important to me. It's, it's a motivating factor. If I yeah. like the gear I'm going to put on, you better believe I'm going to get out there. Yeah. But the change factor element that I'm most impressed by with what you've done with your crew is you guys were trailblazers when it came to talking about running and mental health. Yes, definitely. And, and yeah. I, I just, I thank you for that because oh, I you. think you guys were one of the first to really talk about it on a big scale yeah. before it was buzzworthy like you're saying now, but because yeah. they're so integral and especially for you, the community you were trying to tap into was the community that probably needed to talk about mental health the most. Most definitely because it's a community that you know suffers from mental health and PSD, you know, you know, stress and 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 but it has no space to talk about it because it's talking about it is a sign of weakness Mm -hmm. i can remember waking up one day and actually thinking you know and i've been running for a while 
you know, and the crew was in full flow. And I was just like, this is really great, but I'm still having mental health issues. And, and it's been magnified now because now I've got the pressure of leading this crew and I can't talk about the thing, you know, the real reason why I'm running. So I remember writing an essay and <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote a blog post and I put it up late at night as you always do and then yeah. went to sleep. Woke up in the morning and it was like, the amount of messages I got that day was like, oh man, I didn't even know. I've got that too, you know. Wow, it's so really amazing that you talked about mental health. I was just like, what, really? Like, there's other people? I just I didn't know. You really thought, you felt alone. I really, really felt alone. And then when we did the pro, we did a program with the BBC called Mind Over Marathon with the Royal Family. Yeah. Which, you know, Prince Harry, um, Prince William and Kate Middleton. And that was really amazing as well. And everyone was like, don't do a TV program about running and mental health. And I was just like, you know, the platform that having the royal family involved will mean that we will really be able to reach some people who really, really need to hear this message. Yeah. And so, you know. And it's an authentic fit, right? Like, this is something you're passionate about, you have experience with. Yeah. And, you know, from the wor royal family standpoint, like, Prince Harry has been so open about, you know, his struggles with mental health after losing his mom. Yeah. So it's it's... Yeah, I'm, I'm almost surprised that people told you not to do it. From from where I'm sitting, I'm like, what an intelligent idea and a way to reach the masses with something that needs to be talked about. I think lots of people are very scared about being seen to be weak and also being vulnerable by asking for help. And so what they do is they hide behind a facade. So even when I, you know, I know, because I see it, there are a lot of people I see in the fitness world you know, be they big influencers with massive followings and behind closed doors, they are going through the worst tribulations you can imagine. But the front shiny end of the, you know, the social media platform is everything's perfect and everything's fine. And, you know, and I, 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 I've seen, witnessed, heard over the last 13 years, I've heard, I've seen and heard everything, you know, and even to the point where, you know, we have, we've had two suicides in, you know, within run, the, the Rundle Crew family. And so it's not something I take lightly because, mm. you know, I understand that I have a platform and I have a voice that people listen to and I have influence and it would be really cowardly of me to not use that platform for a greater good. And I realise that, you know, if I can go out there and say, you know what, today, despite the fact of what's happening, you know, my mental health is kind of a bit fragile today, then that gives space for other people to also, you know, tell their truth. And so, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, I don't ever want to be one of those people who are in a position of power and a kid sitting in his bedroom being like, I wish he would speak up more. I wish he would speak for me. Wow. You know, and so that's reason, because, you know, again, running has empowered me. It empowered me at a time when I felt like I had no voice. And I think it's really important for people to feel like they have a voice and their voice has value and that it's being listened to and change comes whenever they speak. And change can come from anyone's voice. You don't have to be an 
international global running superstar you can everybody has a voice and everybody has a platform because even if you touch just one person that's enough to make it worthwhile and i love that you're still so open about your mental health so i'm curious because you're very busy you've got a lot on the go you're running a crew when you're having a day where your mental health is fragile as you said how do you deal with it do you take a step back do you have tools in your toolkit to kind of get yourself going that day yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I like to do is I create, so I always, I'm always creating playlists. You know, unlike some old school DJs who are like, Spotify is the death of music. I'm kind of like, wow, this is really amazing. It's like <laughs> having the most biggest record shop in the world yeah. in your phone, you know? You, can, you know? So I like to create playlists of songs that make me feel happy, that remind me of happy memories and moments I've shared with people. I will turn my phone off you know, and I will stay away from social media platforms because, you know, I feel like there's, you know, th- there's often this kind of comparison thing that comes in where you're comparing your life to other people or the amount that you're running in comparison to the amount that they're running or training and so on and so forth. Making sure that, you know, I'm being kind to myself with the food that I put into my body, sleep, Forcing myself, I'm a quite a nocturnal person, and that's a habit of the music industry. Yeah, but I imagine forcing myself to kind of have some good quality sleep, and being around good energy, I think is really important. With your, particularly with the relationships that are close to you, you know what I've realised is kind of there is no point in being around negative energy or people who don't make you feel better once they've gone. And so those are my little things that I put in place. And then also publicly saying to people, actually, today or this week, I'm feeling a bit fragile. So what I need you to do is to check in with me to make sure I'm okay. And that could be a phone call. That can be a text message. Actually, it should be a phone call. Or yes. physically come and see me. You know, And I think that's one of the things is kind of social media does connect people, but it also distances people you know, and creates a false illusion of everything's okay. And so I like to kind of use the phone for what it was used for originally. Isn't it weird when someone calls you and you actually hear their voice? It it feels like (laughs) a real human connection. Yeah, there's that small moment where you're like, what are you calling me for? Yeah, you're like, is everything okay? But no, I I, I was chatting with a friend about this the other day and um, I was telling her that I'm trying to make more effort for the people, exactly like you said, that are positive influences that push me when I need to be pushed, but just understand me. And I messaged her and I'm like, I want to make more time for friends because right now it's work, 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 work. And as I was texting her this, I was just looking at my phone. I was like, I'm going to call her. I'm going to pick up the phone and actually call her. And she's like, hey, are you okay? Hey, like, yeah, what? Yeah, what? Yeah. Why are you calling me? Yeah, I'm like, I just, you know, rather than text you, hello, how are you? I just thought I'd take, you know, a couple minutes to say hi. And I, I hung up, and it was such a powerful 30 second phone call. Yeah. I almost forgot how it feels almost scary to call people sometimes. Yeah. It's easier to yeah. text, but yeah. it's way more powerful. Yeah, it's definitely more powerful. Yeah, you, ha- you know, and and I think it's I think it's important to kind of. And, and, you know, getting out as well, getting out of your house, it's easy, you know, to kind of stay trapped. You know, Netflix will just trap you and you'll be just in the house, just kind of like, you know. And I think getting outside and also, one thing that's been really good for me is kind of rediscovering the passions that I had as a teenager. 
Oh. That's been really, 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 really good. I'm so curious. Well, I think that what happens is there are weird and wonderful things that you're into as a kid or as a teenager or in your younger days, you know, which as you get older, you kind of like, well, you know, I shouldn't really be doing that anymore. So things like, you know, <laughs> it's just like, I'm gonna indulge us, I can't wait. Well, things like kind of, you know, making your own, you know, I used to make these little radio shows in, in my bedroom with my mates, my friends. And we pretend to be radio DJs <laughs> and kind of doing that, you know, doing stuff for yourself that doesn't need to be shared. So it's just privately for you, whether that's making music or going to certain places and, yeah. you know, getting lost, going on adventures, going to discover places. That's been really, really, you know, really, really, really good for me. Also, side note, the fact that you did that with your mates as a teenager, you pretty much manifested that you would end up in the music industry. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You, mani- yeah. with, you manifested without intending to, possibly. Yeah, well, I think what happens when you manifest as a, you know, I think when you manifest anything, particularly when you manifest ideas as a young person, is that what happens as you get older is you find yourself in these situations which you have always wanted to happen, but you then don't feel like you belong. So the imposter syndrome starts to kind of, you know, play funny things with your head. And actually, one thing that's been really good for me is admitting to myself that I find myself in situations where it can be overwhelming, you know, and can make me anxious and, and maybe perhaps make me feel like I'm, I'm you know, I'm imposter. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because that's natural human nature and, you know, behavior and that's okay. So learning to be kind to myself. Yeah. Meditation has been one of the best things that I've ever introduced into my life. And... I can't actually imagine, I can't understand how I managed to get through so much of my life without having a meditation practice. What's your meditation practice? Is it a daily, morning, evening, five minutes, 10 minutes? I like to do my morning 20 minutes or wake up and kind of, you know, get into that zone before I begin my day. Since music has been such a big part of your life, do you meditate to sound or to silence? Sometimes either, either or, you know, and... I make electronic music anyway, so, you know, I will often make things to kind of meditate to, you know, or there are certain records that I will listen to, you know. But again, I don't beat myself Mm -hmm. up because I think often what happens is people take a very cookie cutter approach to whatever they're doing. And my thing is, your body's different. What I've learned from yoga is don't look at what anyone else is doing on their mat and compare yourself because what works in their body may not work in yours. So you do you. You do you, boo. You do you. And then then everything's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> do you have a, a public Spotify page if we want to create yeah, my music po- playlist? My, my I'm always on yeah. the hunt. It's either under Charlie Dark or it's under Daddy Dark. Okay, I I'm going to find out. I think it is, but it is public, you know, and I'm always sharing my playlist with people. And um, I like it when people share theirs with me. Yes, okay, I'm yeah. always looking for new music. Well, I, I could talk to you all day. I'm terrified yeah. for tomorrow morning's race, but it's gonna be it's gonna be all right. I'm not treating it as a race, I'm treating it as a run. You know what? And it's I not even, get through it. It's not even a run. This is another thing as well. And we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. I mean, I just fucking squeeze it in. Yes. Look at running as a celebration. Okay. You know, not as a test. It's a celebration of how far you've come. It's a celebration of you know, the training you have or have not done, but it's a celebration of the fact that you've moved from point A to point B with collectively with a group of people. 
And the one thing that we always have to understand is there's no one who's going to be watching you on the sidelines who doesn't want you to succeed. And it's not about how fast you go or how far you go. It's about how you cross the finish line. So because the distance remains the same. So whether you're running marathon, 10K, whatever, you know, whether you're super speedy or what you consider to be slow, which I like to call party pace. <laughs> I call it sexy pace. Sexy pace, party <laughs> pace. That's okay. Yeah. And so one of my things that I'm really, really adamant about at the moment is redefining the way that people look at running and look at racing in particular. So tomorrow we will celebrate. We're going to go and celebrate with all these amazing people in this amazing city. That you know, a couple of days after this amazing sporting event, you know, it's literally NBA finals, and now it's the runners' turn. Heck and I yeah. think it's going to be a really amazing atmosphere. And I, you know, yeah. high five some kids, soak it in, smile at some people. And yeah, you know, it's not a punishment. It's nothing to it's be scared about. It's a celebration. About, you know, and if in doubt, this is controversial to say, if in doubt, walk it out. There's nothing wrong with that. As you long know? as you keep moving. As long as you keep moving. And this is the thing I always say to people is like, you know, there, if, if we could get people just into the idea of moving, we can get them into the idea of falling in love with running. And it's better to go out and walk for 10 minutes than it is to sit at home on the sofa and not move for a year being like, oh, because I'm not fast enough or I don't look the right shape or, you know, I'm not like the other people who do that thing. I'm not going to do it. Running is for everyone. If you've got a body, you can do it. There you go. And before we wrap it up, I always ask everybody this. Yes. Um, this is, of course, the Healthy is Hot podcast. Yes. So what does healthy is hot mean to you? It can be a word, a mantra, a feeling. And feel free to take your time. I'll edit out any wow. sounds. Healthy. What is healthy? You know what? Being fit enough to survive in the city or the place where you live. And so I always say to people, I'm not training you to run a marathon. I'm training you to be fit enough to live in London. So that if you miss your bus in the morning, you can race it to the next bus stop and get on, sit down in style. I love it. Functional. Functional. Functional yeah. Functional fitness, mobility, flexibility, longevity. That's what I'm in the fitness game for. I'm not in it for a summer body. That's no interest to me whatsoever. Charlie Dark, you're one of a kind. <laughs> Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Thank you. And just like that, another episode of the Healthiest Hot Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. A huge thanks to the Thompson Hotel for hosting us today. So if you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthiest Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. See you next week.